Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Blues Fans TV and welcome back to the Blue Balls podcast. I hope everyone's doing good. Hope everyone's well. Thank you for being here. Uh, before we get into today's podcast, and we have a great one lined up, I wanted to quickly thank you to One Football, the sponsor of today's episode. Uh, if you don't know One Football, I'm sure, I don't know where you've been because One Football is great. But yeah, One Football is a football app where you can get all your latest football news, transfer news. I actually use this myself for these podcasts because I can get all the best transfer news for Chelsea, know who's rumoured, and also just get the latest news on the club. Uh, and one great feature that they have is that they have this indicator light. So if there's a rumour for a player, you can check one football and see who is rumoured with what club and how likely that is. And of course, you can pick your favourite clubs, favourite leagues and get personalised notifications. So trust me, one football is great. We really appreciate them uh, sponsoring us. So if you like the idea of that, get check the link in the description. We really would appreciate it. Right. Let's get onto the podcast. Today, like I said, we've got a really good one lined up. We have a lot to talk about, surprisingly. There hasn't been as many games, and I thought we might not have a lot to talk about, but we actually do. Uh, we have, of course, the Chelsea Morgan game to react to. Uh, we're not going to spend too long on that, but we have to talk about it. There's the FA Cup draw. There's some big, brand new transfer news coming in. And, of course, we're going to preview that game coming up on Saturday. Chelsea Fulham. It's a bit of a scary one. Shouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> but, yeah, that's it. And it's not just going to be me, of course. I'm going to have some great guests with me. So I'm going to introduce you to them now. We have Pablo, a regular live phone in. How you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm all good, mate. Absolute pleasure to be here and looking forward to talking some Chelsea. Yeah, no, thank you for being here, mate. And we have Daniel, formerly no, otherwise known, sorry, as son of Chelsea. How are you doing, pal? All good, mate. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everyone watching because I haven't been on the channel uh, this year. So thanks for inviting me on. Hopefully we'll have a good discussion. We absolutely will, mate. There's no hopefully about it. <laughs> no, thanks for being here, both of you. I really do appreciate it. He's coming on and joining us. Uh, and thank you, everyone, who is live with us now. Right. We need to get on to it, lads. We're going to talk about first, we're going to talk about Chelsea Morecambe. Uh, we're not going to spend too long on it. It feels like a distant memory now. I remember during Christmas, there's a game coming every other day. I couldn't really keep up. But now it's like, oh, wait, well, we, when did we play last? It's, it was Morecambe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, listen, oh, we absolutely needed that win, didn't we, boys? That Morecambe win, the four 0 It was, it was just exactly what we needed, wasn't it, Pablo? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was what what was needed. I think we saw that with Lampard's team selection. Actually, he didn't really rotate massively at all. He, he kept a strong lineup. He wanted a win. He wanted confidence. He wanted goals for for key players like Havertz and Werner. Uh, you got Mount back on the score sheet as well. Hudson Odoi again in in the goal. So. I think all in all, it, it was a confidence booster for Chelsea. That's what, that's what that game was all about. And of course, we want to get through to the next round. That's crucial. We want to we want to win the FA Cup this season. That's that's for sure. But look, Morecambe at home, very very simple tie, and he went very strong there, Lampard. So I think it was just a confidence booster. Um, not too much more than that, but yeah, an important one. Yeah, he was he was quite under pressure, wasn't he? I think to get the win because listen, if we if we all the talk of of Lampard over the past couple of weeks, it was it was there was a lot of pressure on his back, and he just had to win it, no matter the opposition. It could have been Marine, and we probably <laughs> would have put out Werner and Havertz. Still, I mean, it was a bit of a shame not to see some of the youngsters that have been called up. You know, like Livramento, uh, Andrew got a bit of time, but we mm. thought maybe he would start. Um, that was a bit of a shame, weren't it, Daniel? Yeah, there was a lot of excitement about uh, Sunset Bell too, and, and yeah. Lewis Bay and, and Lawrence, and as you mentioned, Livermento. It's uh, I think it just shows you that the current situation Lampard probably finds himself in after a really difficult winter period. 
and wanting to get some maybe confidence back into the team, some chemistry. He had players like Ziyech returning from injury, so he needed to get his fitness up. So I, I think there was a bit of that as well. Um, and, and, you know, not wanting to underestimate the opposition in a difficult period. It's sort of a no-win situation in these games, especially for Lampard, because you're expected to win the game comfortably. Chelsea did. Um, people even turn around and go, oh, it should have been more than 4-0. You know, the, these games are most of the time, you know, Chelsea's record in the FA Cup third round have, have been has been incredible since basically I think 97 it's like over 20 years now since uh, we got knocked out in the third round um, and they usually take a, a similar pattern and um, Chelsea dominate the game from start to finish but I don't think there's it's not like we can't take anything away from that performance I think there were some encouraging signs and, and I think hopefully it will just give maybe a little bit of confidence to the players going into this massive Fulham game. Absolutely yeah um, and one of those players I think would be Gilmore because uh, he he started, I'm happy he started, and he was just uh, he was brilliant. I thought I think he's really the the mold of uh, of the midfielder that that Lampard wants. The kind of the way he plays, it's so mature. The way he gets the ball and brings it forward, and that kind of thing. And he had, he had a bit of a, a of a masterclass almost. I know it's against Morecambe, so I don't <laughs> want, probably shouldn't use that word, but it was really really encouraging. And and obviously that that means other questions arise. You know, will now. You know, Gilmore seems to be more of the defensive midfielder that Frank Lampard wants than Kante, even though Kante is world class. There is that now discussion that's arose from this game, but I'm really happy to see Gilmore uh, playing and flourishing because I think he's going to be a big part of this club. And another youngster that did get minutes was Hudson Odoi, and he's absolutely in form, isn't he, Pablo? Yeah, I think think both the players you've just spoken about, like Gilmore and then Hudson Odoi, are players that need to be playing more for Chelsea. Uh, I'll briefly start with Gilmore just because I think he's a, he's such a top young player. He's a, the sort of midfielder who I think could work in a lot of teams, top teams in Europe, in my opinion. The way he reads the game, his technique, uh, his vision is is really top class. And then you've got Hudson Odoi, who's someone who I'm a big fan of, of course, like most Chelsea fans. But I, what I maybe worried about with, with Hudson Odoi was does he have the end product? Can he go past the player and put in the perfect delivery? Can he really get that shot into the corner? And I think he's improving that part of his game now, to be fair. So he's a very young guy. I think if he gets more football uh, under Lampard and on the wing, uh, there's no reason why he can't be a massive part for us this season as well as in future seasons. So, yeah, I think both these guys are, are top young players and, again, players that Lampard, um, you know, it's the sort of thing he's been doing, isn't it, since he's come to the club. He's, he's used a lot of these guys. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of them. I think I think they're going to be a massive part of, of if Lampard's a success or a failure at, at the end of the, this season for sure. Um, and I think in the coming mm. weeks, anyway, Hudson Odoi, watch out because I think I think he's definitely knocking on the door for a starting spot, even ahead of someone like a Pulisic. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll get onto that when we talk about the following game because that's definitely an interesting uh, way to go about it. And and keeping on Gilmore, and this might be a cheeky question. I'm going to come to you, with Daniel, on this one, mate. Uh, Gilmore, you know, young potential, got loads of talent. Who the fuck's Declan Rice when you've got Gilmore? Is, is that a cheeky question? I don't know. I might have offended people there, but what do you think, mate? I think it's a it's a very difficult, you know, question to answer at the moment because Gilmore's still such a young player. Um, I think when we talk about Gilmore, you're sort of uh, contractually obliged to speak about the Liverpool and Everton games last year mm. and sort of bring up those because they were such outstanding performances for such a young player. Um, maturity and sort of 
bringing that balance to that midfield that I think Lampard has continually struggled with. And I think we struggled with, you know, just before him with Sarri as well. It's been a constant issue. Um, I said on my channel that I think that in a perfect scenario, in a perfect world, and you don't know what type of player Gilmore's going to develop into, but if he can be, be a, deep, a deeper playmaker for Chelsea, he could sort of be the perfect hybrid of a Kante and Jorginho because mm. Kante's an amazing player in terms of intercepting the ball, in terms of mobility, in terms of energy. Um, anticipation, danger, danger awareness, but there is that concern, as we've seen in recent weeks, of of his ability to fulfil that role as a lone DM uh, rather than alongside someone. And he doesn't have really the passing range from deep to in some games that you'd want. Whilst Jorginho does have that, but we know the flaws of Jorginho's game. So you really need someone in that role that can sort of do both, that can can be that progressive passer from deep, but also has the tenacity and, and the physicality. To, to go in there and make challenges and break up play. And, and from what I saw last season, I think, you know, Morecambe, of course, you know, it's it's it was such a difficult game to analyse because mm. Chelsea were basically camped in Morecambe's half for a lot of the game. Um, Rudiger and Zuma were basically on the halfway line for most of it. You know, it was just literally, if you looked at the formation, it was like two on the halfway line, which were yeah. the centre-backs. And then it was basically the rest of the team were, were up there, you know, Emerson, Dave. It was it, it's how dominant Chelsea were. That's not going to be the case in most games. But I think the proof of of Rice and Gilmore, and you look at Gil, it's tough. It's a tough question to answer because, A, in terms of Lampard, will he be here after this season? I want him to be, but I feel that Lampard's influence in that transfer, I think, is massive. So if he was to move on, would the club still want to go in for Declan Rice? Um, there is that option that Declan Rice could play at centre-back. Um, I feel that Rice is a, a a transfer that will happen eventually. Um, I just think the noises around him have been so consistent at this point that I think the club are going to go out and try and sign him. But it's an interesting question because you think about the money we've saved in promoting Reese James, in, in Mason Mount, in Callum mm -hmm. Martin-Odoi, in Tammy Abraham. Um, you think about Gilmore and you look at him and think, why can't we save a lot of money there as well? So that, that's the intriguing thing. I think we'll learn a lot in the next maybe six months or so in terms of how much Gilmore features in the team. If he becomes a, a big player for Lampard over the next six months, that dynamic could change, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Fair, great, great point, Sarah. Sorry for dropping the difficult question on you. <laughs> Had, to <laughs> I mean, Had to be done. Had to be done. It's an interesting one. I, I, it makes me think a lot. And like we said, Gilmore is still so young. Declan Rice is a couple of years ahead of him in in the um, in age and, and in experience. So who knows? It could be both in in the years to come. Um, uh, and sticking with the Morecambe just just for a little bit longer. You, you, I think one of you's mentioned it just recently. Uh, two people in specifically needed this game. They needed the goals. They needed the assists, and they got them. Uh, it was Werner and Havertz, weren't it? Like they listen. We, you have to caveat it with it's Morecambe, but the fact that they both got their goals, it's just it's huge now. They need to use this, don't they, Pablo? Yeah, they do. It, it, it's massive. We've got some huge Premier League games coming up. Absolutely massive. I'm I'm just highlighting the next four: the Fulham, the Leicester, uh, the Wolves, and the Burnley. I'm looking for Chelsea to get ten points. Really, I, I think if we draw one of them, I know people will go mental on Twitter and whatnot, but you know they're, they're hard games. So I think if we get ten out, out of them, then. That's really good. And Werner and Havertz are going to be absolutely key to that. And Lampard's got to decide what formation he plays them in because I've seen a lot of calls for Havertz in the 10 behind Werner. Um, I still think in a 4-3-3, Havertz can play the sort of role that, that he'd play in a 10 anyway. But the whole formation thing is another discussion. I just think if Chelsea are going to be successful in the next months, we've got to see Havertz and Werner scoring. So like you said, even though it was against Morecambe, 
it was massive for them to get on the score sheet. I thought Havertz also played a good role in in a number of the goals, especially that Werner one. You know, that that's what we want for him, running into the box and using his height. He also used his height for the goal as well, and it's probably something that's underrated in his game. He's such an elegant dribbler, but he's a presence in there, and you know, he's towering over Morecambe defenders here. So. I think both Havertz and Werner, look, I think we saw glimpses at the start of the season. We've got to see more from the, from them as well. And if they are firing in the coming weeks, Chelsea just becomes such a force. We've got so many good players, and I've said that all season long. So if we are firing, like not many teams are going to beat us, and we are going to win a lot of games. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And and we just they just them players need to use this as, as a springboard. Yeah. You've gone and got your goal. Get that off your back now. It's it's gone. No one's going to talk about it. Just focus on the goal coin games. And I'm sure they will. They're they're very professional. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll we'll move on from that game now. We'll stick with the FA Cup just briefly because uh, we the draw happened the other day, and uh, I, I'd I'd say we we got we got a nice draw. We got Luton in the in the fourth round and then they had to do the fifth round draw as well. So we'll either have Norwich or Barnsley then if we make it through past Luton, which I'm sure we should do. I was about to say we will, but I don't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, just in case I don't want to get clipped up or anything. I mean, to be fair, the Norwich and Barnsley game, both of those teams are doing you know quite well in the championship, Norwich, Norwich specifically. So they'll be out you know, to, to try and, and get something if we do progress to that. But uh, definitely a nice draw, especially when you look at uh, up, up to uh, Manchester versus Liverpool, uh, United mm. versus Liverpool. So you know we got we got off lucky there. We got a bit of City luck, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, so that's the FA Cup done. Happy to get that one in. Uh, you know the FA Cup was great, and I really hope we push it on in that tournament this year. You know we 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 did great last year to get to the final, and it's the next step now. Can we get to that next step? So we're on the road for that. Um, we'll move on to January transfer, lads, because there's you know been some news floating around. Different players come in, different players go in. Uh, I think we should probably start with Tamore because maybe he's uh, most talked about recently. Uh, Frank mentioned him in the press conference today uh, and also mentioned him a couple of days ago as well. Uh, and basically, the news is that he should be going this January uh, and it should be on loan. Today, Frank Lampard said that he has a future at Chelsea. So by that logic, you don't think they'll sell him. Uh, and obviously, Ren, AC Milan, and some Premier League teams are sniffing around him. Uh, what do you think about this, Daniel? What do you think to this move? I think it's the best thing for Tamori personally. He he desperately needs minutes. Um, mm. it's, it's been tough for him. Um, it was strange, you know, if you think back to the, the the opening weeks of the season when he came on for Christensen, I felt that it was going to be like another situation where he'd find himself as one of our main players. But of course, the difference from this year to last year was we had Thiago Silva and then Silva and Zuma created that partnership. And that was it, basically. Um, no. He needs to, just minutes. Um, I think that Milan is a really interesting move because I like seeing young English players going to foreign leagues. I think it's... Um, Premier League is good um, and there was talks of Leeds. That was one of the team's uh, names recently. He was very close to signing for West Ham on deadline day on loan. Um, but then for some reason that fell apart. Um, I think Rudiger was involved in that in, in the sense that there was some confusion maybe that Rudiger would have left on deadline day. Yeah. So it's it's been tough for him and he just just needs to get on the pitch. A bit like Ruben this season, uh, of course, for different reasons. They just need to get minutes. And what happens in the long, with, long term with Tamori, it's less certain. Um, I was interested hearing Lampard's very strong comments today um, in going out and saying he absolutely has a long-term future at Chelsea. Yeah. Um, whether that comes to pass in terms of Lampard and also 
You think of all the centre-backs we have out on loan. You think of Mark Gurhey. You think of Malang Sar. You think of the potential of us going out and signing someone again in the summer after Thiago Silva. Mm. It's 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 going to be interesting. But for Tamori's own sake, I think it's a good move because he'll just get some consistent football back in his legs. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. With, I agree with that with the situation. I think for me, I'm more annoyed with the uh, the situation itself because personally, I put Tamori ahead of Christensen and Rudiger. I do personally. I've, from what I've seen, he's a really good talent. He's young. He can bring that to the squad. He's not going to get the minutes, uh, but if he. I like if he, he's ahead of them in my eyes and I think he should have got more minutes throughout this season and then, then he would have stayed and I think we should have got rid of one of those two or be getting rid of one of those two personally but if that's not the situation then absolutely he has to go and get minutes for his own career he's 22 now he needs to uh he does really need to kick on like a good comparison you just made there like with Ruben like he definitely needs to just be playing more minutes at a club. I feel I feel quite bad, man. I really love tomorrow. I don't know what I've I don't know how I've grew his connection with him, but I just really love him and I really would hate to see him go. But alone I can understand. And to be fair, playing for AC Milan, they might win the league this season. That'd yeah, be class yeah. that'd be a brilliant bit of experience for him uh, if he went and win the league somewhere else. So yeah, that 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 one's great. Um and then obviously speaking of other defenders, there is uh, the big one who kind of linked to everyone. Uh, everyone's been talking about this one. It's a bit of a mad one, but Upa Meccano has been linked with Chelsea, uh, among others. I'm not, he's not just been linked to Chelsea, he's been linked with literally everyone. Uh, but what do you think about that, Pablo? I mean, I find the Upa Meccano linkage interesting. I'm not entirely sure if he'll end up at Chelsea, but it's one of those that when a, a good, a great young centre-back is is available on such a cheap price in the summer, we're talking about 40 million here available. He'll leave Leipzig for 40 million. He'll go to a big team. So, People like Abramovich, Marina, they'll be sniffing around that. They will have a look at it and ultimately they'll make the decision. I think Upa Makan is a good young centre-back. If I was to guess where he'd go, I'd probably say Bayern Munich. Um, would he fit in Chelsea's back too? Would he be the commanding centre-back we need? Maybe, maybe not. I think, you know, if, if Abramovich went and signed him, I wouldn't be complaining one bit. But um, whether he'll come to Chelsea is probably the, the biggest thing I would, I would consider or I, I would doubt. I just don't know if that's going to happen or if that's the the type of centre-back they will be going for. The sporting team, which I really trust at Chelsea, uh, they'll ultimately make that decision. But on Upa Meccano, I do think he's a great young centre-back and they're talking about something like £38 million, million pounds at €42 million. Euros. And whoever gets that, it's a steal. It really is a great signing. It really is. Yeah, it would be, to be fair. What do you think, Daniel? I think it's an interesting link. It doesn't surprise me whether it's true or not, whether Chelsea going for him. It's just what we're talking about with Tamori, right, of the future of the centre-back sort of partnership for Chelsea beyond Thiago Silva. And and it's clear that Chelsea have to be looking at that. They have to be planning beyond Thiago Silva. And this could be one of those names. My concern with Obamecano is age and experience. And we've seen the value of having experience and pedigree back there. And I think that, looking at the struggle to adapt that Werner and Havertz have had so far this season, being young players coming into the Premier League, you think about even more so being a centre-back in the Premier League and dealing with that. Um, I just wonder, would Chelsea think we need maybe someone, would you want someone 25 and, and beyond at that age, you know, in, in, in centre-back whilst you'll go for someone at 22 to 25 in attack, you know, someone that you can give a little bit longer. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I still feel, feel there's that concern that do we have many leaders back there? And it sounds like a simplistic thing to say, but it's true. I, I think beyond Thiago Silva, who's going to command that 
that back four in, in, in the future, who's, who's the True. real dominant centre-back. Um, I also concern about the style of play. You know, it's it's easy to look at him at Leipzig and feel he's doing amazingly well. But the Bundesliga, the Premier League, there are similarities, but the sort of strikers you come up against in the Premier League, very different and it's constantly changing. Some weeks you're coming up against a physical striker against Burnley. Sometimes you're, you're coming up against a fast striker against, say, Man United or someone like that. So it's, mm. it's, it's difficult. Um, the thing I was very impressed with Upamecano was last season in the Champions League quarterfinal where he basically uh, shut down Diego Costa and Diego is one of my favourite players. So I, mm. I think that really impressed me. So maybe he does have the physical attributes and he's he's a modern centre-back. He you know he has the, the passing and he also has sort of the mobility, almost as a full back in a sense to, to get up the pitch which is something that I think we need in centre-backs moving forward for Chelsea with a style of play but um, there are many clubs going to be in for him especially for that price a bit like Timo last year you know someone's going to snap him up and it's going to be seen as a massive deal yeah absolutely that's that's great points made there I as well the thing that you know concerns me as well as I think you know he hasn't uh, regarding the actual move itself I think you know no one really reputable has come out and said this is like this is something you know mm -hmm. you know the usual suspects out on Twitter the journalists this more come from a bit more tabloidy so you never know with, with that kind of stuff you know um but to be like you like you said whoever gets him it, it should be a really good deal um yeah, so. either way um and I think finally on the on the January transfer news uh I think we need to the the this I said this in the summer. We were getting all these amazing talents in. I was really happy, but I was like, "Are we not going to shed any weight, lads?" Because you know, this this is getting a bit bigger and bigger. And one position in particular is that midfield. It is cramped in there. Even you know, if you're forgetting about the lads we have on loan, the players that are in the club right now. It's cramped in that midfield. And I don't know. I think we need to get rid of some people. Uh, what do you think to that, Pablo? Do you think we need to get rid of anyone? Um, I don't know if I would get any rid of anyone in January just because I don't want to cut our squad. But I do think the midfield is over-congested long-term as well. We're talking about Gallagher, Loftus-Cheek, who are meant to have futures at the club. Perhaps even a signing like a Declan Rice in there. With all of this on top, you know, what happens to so many people? What happens to Jorginho? Well, Jorginho, I think, within the next one or two years, will probably be sold from Chelsea. But, but Billy Gilmore, you know, is he going to get any minutes in there? Uh, and Golo Kante, what's his role going to be as he gets older? Mateo Kovacic also, uh, if Lampard stays, wants to go with the two number eights and more of a mount and a Havertz, you know, two more attacking midfielders. I just wonder what his role is also. So with signings on top, with players coming back from loan, I think we are a bit over-congested in midfield. Maybe we're also lacking the correct profiles for the midfield, which I think uh, you, you talked about earlier, um, son of Chelsea. I just think that, or Daniel, sorry. Um, but I, I, ju I just think that, maybe sometimes we need that DM, like a Declan Rice. A lot of people talked about Declan Rice in the summer because they thought Chelsea need a number six here. And I'm not sure if we have that. Um, mm. regard regarding January, though, I wouldn't, just because we're already struggling a little bit and I wouldn't want to chop the team more. So say we drop out Jorginho and then all of a sudden Kovacic and Gilmore get hamstring injuries, then it's a bit like, ah, you know? So January, I wouldn't, but long-term, I definitely would. And it's something that the, the, the club um, in the sporting team, they've really got to sit down and have a proper think about um, and say, you know, who do we want? What profiles do we want? And who's going to take us forward? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, another problem is as well is um, is we all know the ups at Chelsea Marina, they drive a hard bargain. They won't want to, you know, just get rid of Jorginho for half the price. They'll yeah, want to make true. some money back, won't they? And also, you know, with, with everything that's happening in the world right now, that's not going to be as easy to put sell on these players. So that is also another problem. 
uh, with that. But yeah, no, definitely going forward, we I think we need to to get rid of some of these a uh, bit more older players, get some of the youth coming in. But then again, you still want experience, like you, you mentioned. Just you, we need leaders, so it's a very difficult one. I definitely won't be uh, be be envious of Lampard and the up, their upper position right now because it's like an embarrassment of riches, is it? Isn't it? And it's a bit of a mm. difficult one. Uh, what any anything else to add, Daniel? I think in terms of letting players go, yeah. In terms of midfield, I, I, number one, I don't think Chelsea and, and Frank would want to let Jorginho go. Firstly, because I think, like, compare it to the Kepa situation, for instance, I think Chelsea feel they can still get a pretty decent fee for Jorginho um, mm. because I could see him going back to Serie A and there's a team that would value him very highly back there. Um, I feel the obvious, the two obvious ones is we spoke about Samori, but the other one has to be Marcus Alonso. Um, oh, I, I almost forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, Because he, you can get rid of him and you've got cover in Emerson, haven't you? And we know yeah. Dave can potentially play at left back too. Um, mm. I it, it was such a clear statement by Lampard to axe Alonso after that West Brom game. He hasn't featured since. Um, and I think it's it's imperative to, to back Lampard. And, and those reports recently about Lampard's sort of struggles and, and sort of the outcast players maybe causing yeah. issues behind the scenes. Um, it's just for their own careers. You know, Marcus Alonso, I heard about Atletico Madrid. We've done decent business with them before buying and selling players. Um, to me, that seems like a decent move. And, and I think that for his own career and for Chelsea... Lampard, you know, he's made it abundantly clear and um, Alonso is not part of his plans anymore. So for I think to to let him go, you're not maybe going to get the massive fee you want. But I think for squad harmony and for, for just the future of the club and the health of the club, like Chelsea should be more swift on this. It, I think difficulty at the moment and you look at players like Danny Drinkwater and Baba Rahman who were, who were still at around the club, like you forget mm. about having featured at all in the first team. Um, it's difficult at the moment with the current situation of teams coming in for those players because Kepa, everyone goes about Kepa and I, and I say it's it's very unlikely he leaves. It's very unlikely Jorginho leaves. Um, Christensen and Rudiger, I think one or both could even be off in the summer. Um but they they aren't going to leave because you still want four centre backs for cover, so you want you want that. So yeah, it's it, those two players for me are the ones that have to be making a move. Other than that, I think you'll have to wait to the summer. But that that's the big thing, right? It's, we've had that massive sort of rebuild in the sense that we've invested a lot into future players, and we started to trim down like with the likes of Willian and Pedro moving on. Now it's time to do the rest of that, and hopefully. By the start of next season, you'll have a much more defined squad, not a small squad because Chelsea still need a big squad, but a more defined one that if thank, hopefully Lampard's still here, will be fully his players. You know, there won't be any outcast there. And I think that's yeah. positive. Absolutely, mate. You threw, you threw some names at me there that I, I completely forgot about. Uh, Danny Drinkwater being one of them. <laughs> Almost caught me off guard. Yeah, now for that, absolutely you're right. And 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 I think on, on that uh, situation as well is that this is a transitional period for Chelsea, uh, a massive one, one of the bigger ones I've, I've noticed in a while. Um, and, and, you know, that, that takes some time to sort it out. They're not all going to come and go in one window. It's not FIFA, it's real life. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, right, that's the January transfer window. I think we're going to move on now to the Chelsea following game, the big game coming up. We keep saying the big game, and I feel like a couple of weeks ago this would not have been a big mm. game, but this is a huge game for, for Lampard. As it says in the title, this is going to be a huge test for him, and he's going to he's got some decisions to make. He's got some uh, big choices to make coming up in this game, and it's, there's going to be an immense amount of pressure on him still. Uh, so let's talk about that. Um, this game was obviously moved on to Saturday. Uh, from Friday because uh, last night 
they had to play Tottenham instead, which was a great result. They drew, uh, which made me very happy to see all the Spurs fans really upset with Mourinho. <laughs> um, but also, I remember when I first heard this, I thought oh, it's kind of a quite a good idea. A good thing for us they play it once more we get an extra day's rest and and that that seems like all positives for us and i and then i kind of forgot that uh leicester we play leicester only a couple of days later so it's even closer to that and then that gives lampard even more headaches so what do, what do you think to that pablo what do you think about all that situation yeah i mean playing fulham just a few days after that they played tottenham which should have been a you know a, a tough game for them and should have taken some energy out of them i suppose that you'd say that was a positive but then again i, I always feel yes fitness is a big part of it but it, it, it's mostly down to who wants it on the pitch and i imagine fulham to be up for it so i don't think that that'll play too much of a role maybe in the latter stages but honestly i think if fulham are up for it then i'm not sure the fatigue will be an issue regarding us though i think you're right about you know Leicester's a big, big game for us because we haven't really beaten a, a top team this season. And I think that one on Tuesday against Leicester, minimal rest in between the games, a bit like Fulham have. Um, we've got to be up for that one. That, that's a crucial game, I think, for Lampard's future. And the Fulham one individually on itself is the one we've got to focus on. We have to get three points against Fulham. We just have to. You know, talking about Arsenal, who are playing later, I imagine they're going to beat Crystal Palace. They're going to be level on points with us. I know they've got a game in hand, but we're going to drop more points down the line. So... That, that, that says it all, really. Um, it's a massive game for Lampard. We've got to get back up that table. And you do worry for him. You do worry what the the hierarchy will do if he starts, if he continues to drop more points in these games. So I'm just hoping we've worked on some things on the training ground. We're really up for this Fulham game. The players really should be up for it. On it. I won't accept anything less than this one. I think Lampard mentioned in his press conference earlier, we've had a long week now. We actually had quite a, a nice rest in between games. And he said, look, we've worked on a few things. Let's hope we see them in the coming weeks because I mentioned earlier four massive games for me in the Prem that I'm just highlighting on the calendar and I want to see some big points in them. So, yeah, two massive games coming up, but more importantly, that Fulham one. Yeah, absolutely. you got to play it game by game, haven't we? But there's a lot of pressure on Lampard. And you know what? He said in his press conference today that he knows there's pressure. He invites it. It's part of being a big club manager and that's why I love him. When he, when he comes out with shit like that, I'm like, yeah, too right, Frank. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, something else he also said today in the press conference, which made put a smile on my face, we're a fully fit squad, which is which is nice because we've struggled with that recently. I remember when he said that a while ago, and I was like, Are you sure? And then now he's come back and we said it again, which means Reese James should be fit. They didn't mention him by name, but fully fit squad means Reese James is fit. What do you think about that, Daniel? Yes, massive Ivan Reese back. Um, he's such a key player for us. Uh, you, you think back to that. Uh, Arsenal game where I think in, in retrospect he probably wasn't fit enough to start that game you know he gave away the penalty he just wasn't himself but other than that he's been absolutely incredible this season for Chelsea um, he's been one of the top players um, I think defensively and offensively the way especially defensively how he's improved that aspect of his game I think has been really uh, key to, to his taking over from Dave basically you know it, there's no sort of doubts about who should be Chelsea's first choice right back and at the start of the season you know, it wasn't as clear cut as it is now. Um, but he just in terms of the system works so wonderfully, especially with Hakim Ziyech. And I, I think it's a big thing to say that not only that Leeds game was the last time we had a fully fit squad going into a game um, because that quickly changed when Ziyech got injured. But on top of that, uh, Leeds was the last time uh, Hakim Ziyech and Reese James started a game together. So 
for how those two players work for us creatively um, in our team on the right in terms of attack. That's massive too. So to have those two players back, I think is going to be uh, big for Chelsea in this game, but also moving forward. So uh, that that's big because uh, Reese has just been brilliant. He really has. I, I, I know people will instantly look at that Arsenal performance, but there was a lot of bad performers that day. And I think Reese, given what he's done so far this season, you know, I think... Uh, can even though it's not the best thing to say, you know, have a not have a day off, but you know, have a have a mediocre performance. I think that you know, it's it's he's been one of our best players. So to have him back, um, especially creatively when we've been lacking recently, um, I, I'm really excited to see him and Ziyech back on the pitch because I think what they can do. There's been so much frustration recently about Chelsea's style of play and creating chances, and I think what you'll see is we're going to start creating chances again because Ziyech and Reese are back mm -hmm. in the team. You know, two key players, two of the best crosses in the Premier League and we're going to utilise them again. Oh, mate, just speaking about them two being on the pitch again, it, it excites me, it really does. Yeah. It really does, doesn't it? Uh, as well as as well as that, though, Reese, Re I love Reese. He, he brings out a grit to the game as well, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about leaders, we talk about that that kind of like the, that, that aspect of the game and it's very crucial and and reese brings that he brings a bit of venom to it uh this chelsea squad is quite young and, and it has some inexperience in it uh but and even though he's young and inexperienced he still brings that kind of venom so i'm really ha happy i really want to see him back uh against fulham for sure and 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 even if, even if he doesn't come on for maybe he plays 60 minutes that'd be that'd be great to see because i think we do he's a very important piece to the chelsea puzzle uh talking about other other defensive players going into this game because obviously for Morecambe we rotate heavily uh i wanted to know what you guys thought about like rotating the defense again do we just go straight back with the the reese the silver the zuma the chillwell or do we keep that other game in mind and maybe keep Rudiger in or, or you know something like that what, what do you think to that Pablo to me it, to me it's simple I'm taking this Fulham game as must win important yeah. and it's Mendy and goal it's James it's Silva it's Zuma and it's Chilwell it's non-negotiable I think that's what Lampard will go for also I get I get the argument we, we're gonna have a lot of games in a short space of time I think he'll just play Silva again on on Tuesday which he doesn't always like doing but I think he's gonna go for it because we need wins right now we need our strongest team out there so yeah. I'm expecting the fullback four slash back five if you include Mendy and in goal. And I think that's the right call. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I do completely agree. It's an interesting one. Like we said, it's a lot, lot of decisions that Frank needs to make here and does and what rotation is definitely one of them. Uh, moving up the pitch a little bit, uh, I want to talk about the midfield because that's, again, we, we've mentioned it. We mentioned Billy the Goat. Um and, and with Kante out, uh, he's not injured, but he's been he's suspended. Do do you think that we should have Gilmore in there, or do you think it should be Jorginho? I think that would be the two main question marks. Personally, I want Gilmore in there, but what do you think, Daniel? Uh, yeah, I, I think the midfield that started against Morecambe is going to be very similar to the. Well, I think yeah. it's going to be identical to the team team yeah, we see yeah. on Saturday evening at Craven Cottage. Um, I, I feel that Mount. Habits and Gilmore. Um, I'd like to see that midfield trio given a test against the Premier League opposition and see how it does, even if it is for one game. Um, Gilmore, I just, once again, you, one of the interesting things about watching that Tottenham game was, and we don't know about fatigue and, and fitness, but uh, Fulham do have a bit of pace on the break. And in terms of transition and this Chelsea team being done on transition, because I expect with the three-five-two that uh, Fulham will set, likely set up with, have been setting up with, looking to be rigid, um, they'll look to hit on the counter absolutely based on the, the lack of time they've had between both games. Um, there's no way they're going to come out and try and press Chelsea intently and try and open up the game because with Chelsea's players in behind, but also you know just 
generally the energy in the game, I think, won't be there for them. So they're going to try and be a bit more conservative. So it's not only about having this sort of solidity within there, but the energy within there too. And I think, you know, Mason, anyone asking to drop Mason, I think... I think it's a bit crazy, to be honest. I, I don't no. think there's a there's a good enough argument for him to be dropped. He's been one of Chelsea's best players so far this season. Um, Cover just for me, I like I liked Cover last season. And for me, he's just you don't know what you're going to get from Cover. Some days he's really good, and you think yeah he's going to play more and more. Other days he drops off, and that City game I think he had a terrible performance that mm-hmm. day all round. He didn't offer anything we we required in midfield. So I think Habits as well has probably done enough. And it was interesting to me going back to that Morecambe game quickly. Every time the ball went out wide against Morecambe, bear in mind we did have a lot of dominance in that game, but every time the ball went out wide, whether it was to a fullback or to one of the wingers, Kai instantly made a run into the box to support Timo every single time. And eventually it paid off with the second goal. Um, And of course, scoring himself later on in the game. I want to see that a lot more, you know, because I think if you have Timo up there instead of Drew or Tammy and you are getting those crosses into the box, I think that it's imperative that, uh, Timo has support because you can't play to Timo like he's a Diego Costa, like a Giroud. You can't expect him to chest the ball down with his back to goal and bring others into play. That's not what his game is. And if you expect him to do that, then you're going to be very disappointed. So uh, we need to get players in and around him. Um, and I yeah. think Kai is one of those hype wise that can do that. Absolutely, mate. Nail on the head there. That's what I was going to say that um, against Morgan. That's something that really made me happy. The amount of times Havertz runs into that box and to support him. We all know, we've all said it, it's been said a lot, Timo has been played with a, a more aggressive striker at Leipzig. That's where he flourished. Uh, and maybe, and everyone's saying, maybe he plays Rude next to him, but maybe the answer is you have Havertz arriving in the box whenever that is the situation. And I think that could really, really effectively work, as you just said. Uh, sorry, just a comment that really made me laugh there lads and i thought we'd just get it up right now team of earners in the chat can you believe it hello guys i'll do my best and score free against Fulham. keep the blue flag fine right, cheers team i hope you do it i hope you really do <laughs> um and then another question which is i was going to ask you guys anyway but it's coming from an amazing chelsea which is a great name uh verna abraham or sexy Giroud. now we've kind of alluded to already already but i think we're all on the same page here. We want Timo to play, and then we want that kind of same system with Havertz to play. Do you agree, Pablo? I do, I do agree. I do agree because we need to see Vern up front and Havertz in behind. That's what Roman signed these players for. That's what Lampard's going to do. However, I do wonder whether Chelsea actually play better with a pure number nine this season. Um, I think we're more dangerous when we get balls into the box. We've got Giroud up there. But... I think Lampard's going to try and start to to make a new system here over the next few games. He's going to try and get Werner up front. He said that in the press conference today as well, I believe. Um, that's going to be Timo's position. So look, I would I would stick with with Timo up front. I do feel it's harsh on players like Giroud and even Tammy, who I think has been a little bit underrated this season. But Timo's going to play up front, and I will back it because he's our striker. He's our 50 million striker. He's our goal scorer, and we've got to get him playing up front. So um, yeah, I think Timo will start up front. On the wings, I'll leave it to you guys because I I do not know. I want to start all three of them and we can only start two. So let, let me know what you guys think about the wingers. Oh, that's the big question. And again, Daniel, the, the big questions come into you. And I think uh, you've already mentioned you want to see Econ and I, I agree with that. But it's uh, the next question is, is Pulisic or Hudson-Odoi? And I, I want to know what you think there, mate. 
I think it should be Hudson-Odoi. Um, I love watching Pulisic play, and I have seen Pulisic recently where I, I do feel he's on the verge of, a, of another big performance. I think it's great to see him back fit. He's playing minutes, he's getting fresh, but he's an amazing player to have off the bench, like Hudson-Odoi. But I just think Hudson-Odoi is on everything he, he could have in recent weeks to impress Frank on the pitch. Um, I don't know what it's like in training, but... Um, coming off the bench against Arsenal and setting up Tammy's goal, scoring against uh, Man City later on. I know that once again, it's seen, seen as a consolation goal, but that connection as well with Kai Havertz. Um, Kai Havertz has set up three goals for Callum Hudson-Odoi so far this season. Those two have sort of bonded, I, I think, on the pitch and it, hopefully we'll see a bit more of that if they play together a bit more for Lampard. And um, yeah, I, I think Callum, for me, it was difficult for Callum early, earlier in the season because he'd be playing these Champions League midweek group games and he'd be doing well, he'd be scoring goals. But at the weekend, Chelsea would, you know, win our Premier League games as well with like Ziyech and Werner. And it was always very difficult to sort of have a go at Frank and say he should be playing Callum because we're winning our games. You know, why would you want to change a winning team? Um, this is the moment for Callum now. He he really needs to take this opportunity. And I think it'd be a bit harsh of Callum to not start this game. Sure. Uh, with that Leicester game, you could easily see Pulisic come back into the team um, on that left because he's got great anticipation for goals. And as I say, off the bench, I think he's a brilliant player to have. Um, I just think Callum in the past few games in a really difficult period for Chelsea has been a standout performer consistently. Um, and yeah, for me, he's got to be on the left. And hopefully if he starts, and there's a lot more purpose to his game this season. He he knows what he wants to do when he gets that ball. I think he's clinical in front of goal. And just all round, he has the ability to drop a little bit deeper sometimes if, if we're struggling to create. But he also has, of course, the pace to get in behind too. So all round, I think Callum has, has earned this Premier League start. Yeah, definitely. And and if if there's anything to take off from that Manchester City game, and there was very little, but he was a bit of a shining light there with that final goal uh, that we got. Um, he he definitely proved in that game, a game where we were down and out, and and it looked horrible. He's still shown. So that that that's something to go by. Um, I'm just going to say to the chat real quick, we're going to be taking some a couple of your guys' questions in about two three minutes time. So get them in now, and we'll uh, we'll be answering them. But uh, and yeah, but before we get onto that, last point about the Fulham game, lads, I wanted to ask you about this because um, I think the overall thing I'm worried about, we've got we've, we've said the team now, and I think we're all in agreements that we're going to have the strongest team out there would be Mendy, James, Zumas, Chilwell, Gilmore, Mount, Havertz, Ziyech, Werner, Hudson-Odoi. That's roughly the team we want out there. Uh, but the thing that worries me is that Fulham, the way they, I feel like they're going to play is they're going to sit deep. And like you said, you said just a minute ago, that they're going to counter attack. And the thing that gets me with that is seeing Chelsea play against teams that sit deep this season hasn't been an enjoyable experience. Uh, and, and, and I just really do hope that we, we, we push through that and, and, and find something here because they are, they will do that. Like you said, they will sit deep. They've just come off a big game. What do you think to that, Pablo? This this is my point about Chelsea playing with a striker. If they sit deep, which they probably will for a lot of periods in the game, is Werner going to be involved in the match? Is Werner really going to open up a low block? I would hope so, but is it going to get to the stage at the 70th minute and Lampard's thinking, I'm going to have to put an Abraham on, I'm going to have to put Giroud on here because I just want to win the football match. That's my worry with this one. The, the thing Chelsea need to do is make it so Fulham can't sit in the deep block. and it's, it's very easier said than done, but what you've got to do is really take the games to them I think in the first half, we'll have more space to get Timo in behind. And say we go 1-0 up or 2-0 up, then the game will open up. That's when Chelsea will have joy. But it's so much easier said than done to say, look, I'll oh, just go 1-0 up and then you're fine. You know, it's the Premier League. It's it's difficult game in, game out. But 
that one, that's my worry. I agree with you guys. I think if Fulham are sitting deep, Chelsea could have issues. The positive thing is we've got midfielders like Mount, like Havertz, who I'm hoping can create from deep. Can I also have a long shot, which is what we need to see more of. We saw Mount do that against Morecambe. That was really good to see. I think Gilmore could also play quite a good and important role in this game. I think he will start in that deep role. I do agree with that. I think he's going to go with Gilmore over Jorginho. If Gilmore comes forward, I do think he's got he's got creativity to his game also. So I think the lineup we've just gone through it can take on Fulham. My worry would just be if they're in that low block, how much are we going to get Werner involved? Yeah, exactly that. Daniel, anything else to add on that? I think the the key here is is Hakim Ziyech. Um, I I think back you talk about us struggling against low blocks. We've struggled against low blocks when. With the exception of, I think, Tottenham earlier in the season with in the past month when we struggled to create, he hasn't been in the team. You know, he hasn't been starting. Um, I think back to the games against Burnley. I think back to that Sheffield United game, which is probably Ziyech's best performance against a team who was sitting deep um, that Chelsea, you know, had to break down and did so and did so with mm-hmm. confidence. Um, I feel his ability to... He, it's so hard to defend against Ziyech because especially with Reese on that side as well, Fulham have to make a decision who who they're going with. You know, if Reese is making that overlap and you've got potentially either Hudson-Odoi or Pulisic on the left making runs to the back post or Havertz making runs to the back post, some of the balls that Ziyech puts in are just undefendable. They are. They're just very difficult to defend. There, aren't, there isn't a, a player in this Chelsea team that can literally just take the ball and just break down a defence with one pass, you know, and, and if, if Fulham's defence isn't set up right, we can see now that Hudson-Odoi has got that ability to make smart runs in behind. You feel Timo as well, if, if that space is there. Um, I, I just feel that we've we've lacked him. We have. We've lacked Ziyech's creativity. And it's not that everything comes down to one player and all our defeats have been because uh, we haven't had Ziyech. But I feel that in a game of this nature, he can really thrive once again and, 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 replicate what he did earlier in the season and I think he just opens up space for other players as well I think he just the dynamic you know I think about games like Newcastle away once again against the defensive side who were sitting very deep Ziyech didn't have an amazing game that day but I just think at times what Ziyech does when he drifts in centrally he opens up space because he, he's Ziyech yeah, and true. you don't you don't you can't let him on his left foot Sometimes that opens up space for Reese on the right too, and that's what we've lacked, right? So it's it. I think it will open a lot more opportunities that we haven't seen recently. And I think if we do score one, I think it could. You hope that this team can score a bunch. You know, it maybe could something could click on the night, and suddenly Chelsea find their form again. Um, and then you're looking at players on the bench like Pulisic to come on who can exploit space very easily. And I look at Ziyech setting up uh, Pulisic a bit more uh, now that he, they're both fit in the team. Yeah, absolutely, mate. That's yeah, and and like you said, uh, when you speak about that Ziyech and Reese James link up, it does excite me a lot. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna be that that guy now and ask you lads for a score prediction. And I know that's horrible. And I hate answering it myself, <laughs> but Pablo, what do you think? I'm gonna go three-one Chelsea. Maybe a bit of a generic away scoreline to a lower side, but I'm gonna go three-one Chelsea. Um, maybe a similar sort of pattern to the Brighton game right at the start of the season. Yeah, I think I think we can do it. I think I think the players will be up for it. I know Lampard will really be up for it. I know he'll get into them and say, "Come on, let's all come together now. We've got to win this football match." So I'm expecting a resilient Chelsea and hopefully a Chelsea who are determined to to create chances and really get at Fulham. And what fills me with confidence is, and maybe confidence that I didn't have an hour ago before we started this, is when we're going through the Chelsea lineup, it's just so positive. Even like 
even the Man City game, which we've got battered in, the Chelsea lineups we're putting out these days are, are incredible. So I, I think we've got such a good team. And if we can get it to click, it, it'll be a fun watch. And the same goes for a lot of games this season. So I'll go 3 1 Chelsea. Good, nice, fair enough. Daniel? I'll go 2 0 because I think that uh, Scott Parker has really, 2 0 Chelsea, sorry. Uh, Scott Parker has really <laughs> got uh, Fulham working a lot better now. They're a lot more rigid, they're a lot more stable, they know what they're doing on the pitch. Um, and I think that they'll obviously have confidence after that Tottenham performance uh, to, to to go into this game. But I think that Chelsea just once again sharp one one touch play a bit more of that. We've lacked that over the past month. It's become a, a bit more sluggish. And you hope that not only the week that the couple of weeks that Frank has had free to hopefully train the team, but also just fatigue, recharge those batteries because you know you think about that Leeds game looks like a, although we were praising that Leeds performance because we outrun them, it seems like that that performance itself took a lot out of the team. So if we can get some of those energy levels back, I think it'd be massive. Um, and yeah, three points is apps just getting Chelsea back on, on track. And, and as you know, I think we were saying before we came on air, if Chelsea can string a couple of wins together, as unlikely it may seem now, um, the complexion of Chelsea under Lampard is going to look very different. So it all starts with Craven Cottage. And I think that, yeah, I expect, I think Chelsea can win. And I think Ziyech is going to be man in the match. Oh, love, love that prediction. Absolutely, mate. It's a must win game. I feel like I'm a bit of a broken record when I say that. said that the past couple of weeks, but this one is a must win game. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say a 2 0 as well. I don't think it's going to be too interesting. Fulham may be uh, defending well, but we'll break through eventually. Right. I'm going to get onto some quick questions from the comment section before we end today's podcast uh there's been a lot of arguing going on in the comments i don't know if you've seen it uh so i'm trying to going to sift through some of your questions so make sure you get your questions in now we've got one here for from anupam i'm sorry for messed your name up there fella uh think timo and tammy should play together tammy is a better physical presence than timo and can pull defenders uh see so this we, we kind of briefly mentioned this earlier and uh with the habit situation but what, what do you think to that public do you think uh, Tammy should be getting the nod, especially with you know, you know his form of of late. It's always it's always a great debate. Look for this one, I'd go with Timo. Um, regarding the question, which was kind of should they play together? I think it's almost a dream that, that if we put Timo up there with one of our big strikers, it will work. But whenever I've watched it happen, play, yes, it's worked sometimes for sure. But at the same time, it also hasn't. And I think if you do that, then that's fine. But you completely change the formation. Say you do a two striker formation. Then what that does is take away Chelsea's wingers, who were massive in the game. So I think it can work for sure. And I think that's probably when Timo's best, when he's got someone up there to play off, when he's got someone he can run in behind off, and when he's not got to be the focal point up front, which I worry he he has to be against Fulham and when he is the lone striker. So um, I think theoretically it can work, but I don't, I'm not sure if we've seen it work that well this season. Fair enough, yeah. Um, and like you said, it kind of it'll pull it'll pull the 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 formation we're trying to play anyway. Yeah, I think. Havertz arriving in playing that same role but being like a bit of you know covering a bit more distance that works just the same all right we've got we've got an interesting question here now um and it is don't you think Mount is going to cost Lampard his job right <laughs> we have a funny one that and uh I, I, I'll take this one if you, if you guys don't mind uh no he's not because Mason Mountain gets a lot of criticism from the fans and, and from a lot of, of rival fans as well. And it is, it's very uncalled for a lot of the time. And it's, it's confusing a lot of the time. Uh, Frank Lampard plays Mason Mount because he believes Mason Mount 
is fit. It, it, people are saying give him a rest. He like I'm sure they know when uh, he needs a rest. He's quite key to the midfield at the moment, especially with the way we play. We mentioned it earlier on in the pod. Gilmore sitting deep, um, or a defensive midfielder sitting deep. Havertz playing a bit more further up the pitch. Mason Mount will cover the, the in between that. Uh, and and just really dominate back and forth. They were get, the kid's got loads of energy. He will be fine. Uh, and I don't think it will cost him his job. <laughs> right. Uh, just going to look through some other questions now. Um, Timo says, hey, come on, guys, you got to play him. He's not happy. <laughs> like, not happy. Uh, and he's also got a question, Timo. Surely you know more than we do being inside the club. But uh, again, bringing it back to Rice, he, he said, should we buy him in this window opposed to the next one and then immediately sell Jorginho? Uh, and and, and that's, that's, that's easier said than done, isn't it? But what, what do you think to that, Daniel? I think it's very unlikely this month. I think um, if West Ham, say, for instance, were in sort of a relegation battle, like I think many of us expected them to be this season, um, you could have seen some of that. It's interesting listening to some of their business recently and, and there's some financial issues at the club with having to sell some players. Uh, they just uh, sold Haller to Ajax, I think it was, and struggling to find a replacement for him and... It's, it's as I said earlier with Jorginho, it's it's trying to find the right buyer for him. And I don't think Chelsea will look at it. And I don't think they should look at it as a situation where this is a lost cause. This is someone you have to accept a massive loss on for, for selling. Because I think there are teams out there who would take Jorginho. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be worth 60 million. But when we think about the work Marine has done over the years in getting fees for unwanted players, um, I'd wait six months. And, you know, I think that January... I made a video about this the other day. I think January, there's a lot of times, and this is not specifically talking about Declan Rice, there's Chelsea were very smart last year um, and they received a lot of criticism for it of not making any moves, but they were proved absolutely right in the end by not making any moves in January because it helped the summer. And I think that'll probably be the same this time. Doesn't mean that Rice won't come in the summer. Um, it's just very unlikely now. Um, and I think that uh, it's it, January usually is a very slow month. And I think it's going to be even slower this month. You know, even as we were talking about some like Marcus Alonso, you know, there's really been no noise about him and it's a bit surprising to me. So, no, it's not going to happen this month. Fair enough, mate. Right. Uh, that's it. That's it for the questions. Sorry if we uh, if we missed some of your questions. Uh, I was trying to sift through some of the arguing and and all that good stuff. But no, thank you. And and lads, thank you for joining me on the pod today. I've, I've really right. enjoyed that. Good football talk. Right. We're at the end of the pod. I want you guys to promote your stuff so daniel go take it away uh thanks for having me on you can find my work at son of chelsea uh, son of chelsea on youtube uh, daily video content about chelsea fc news reviews uh, previews uh collabs with other chelsea creators i'm also at son of chelsea on twitter buzzing pablo i mean for me i, I, I would just say uh, follow me on Twitter because that's when I'll promote anything I do. So usually I'll come on Blues Fans TV or if I'm doing any any Barca stuff like we spoke about earlier, then yeah, that'll all be on Twitter. But on my main channel right now, I haven't done too much for a while. I did a video um, defending Lampard not not long ago, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'd mainly I'd mainly say um, my Twitter, and you, you can catch all the content surrounding me over there. I think it's in the description. It is wicked. Cheers, lads. Again, thank you for coming on. I'm going to say, as I'm going to promote myself as well, if, if you've liked me, check out the back post. We've got a preview coming tomorrow with Lewis uh, about the Fulham game. We've, we do all sorts of football comments, so make sure you check that out. 
And of course, as I said at the start of this podcast, make sure you check out One Football. They kindly sponsored this podcast today, and it's a great football app. Like I said, I use it all the time for these videos. It's great bit of knowledge. The link is in the description, so make sure you click it and download the One Football app. Right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for getting the comments, guys. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.